This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. I have little time in my hands to chat tonight, so it's straight to the first program. And in tonight's tale, Philip Marlowe finds a former actress dead in her apartment, an apparent suicide. But then again, maybe not. Get this and get it straight. Crime is a sucker's road. Those who travel it wind up in the gut of the prison of the grave. There's no other end. But they never learn. From the pen of Raymond Chandler, outstanding author of crime fiction, comes his most famous character in The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. Now, with Gerald Moore, starred as Philip Marlowe, we bring you tonight's story, The Big Book. Sit up. Boys, get him in the wagon without any trouble, thanks to you. Oh, you don't have your car here, do you, Phil? No, Lieutenant, and I haven't had lunch either. Hmm? Maybe the police department feels obligated on both counts, huh? Maybe. <laughs> get in, Phil. Mooney, some good restaurant before headquarters, huh? Check, Lieutenant. How are you, Mr. Marlowe? Hungry, Mooney. <laughs> okay, Mr. Marlowe. I know a good spaghetti place, Louis. Unit 18A, a dead body at number 11 West Main Street. Reported as suicide. Investigate. You'll call, Matthew? Unit 18A, no, that's a specific a unit. Dead oh. body at number 11 West Main Street. Unit 11 West Main. It's only around the corner, isn't it, Mooney? That's right, Lieutenant. Might save us a trip back here later, huh? Yeah. Marlowe, lunch will be a little late. Let's go, Mooney. At number 11 West Main Street, a Skid Row rooming house, a middle-aged woman who had been the ground-floor rear apartment was now dead of a bullet that had passed directly through her heart. A shabby, cramped room was packed tight with a dozen different stale smells and the naked light bulb dangled from a cracked plaster ceiling. The dead woman lay in the middle of the floor. She looked about 45, had gray-black hair and wore a cheap cotton dress under a faded, moth-eaten man sweater. Up to there, she belonged to the backdrop. But beyond that, someplace in the deeply etched beauty of her face, the studied neatness of her hairdo, there was something vague and disturbing that made the whole picture slightly lopsided, like a, like a cheerful tie on an undertaker. Ten minutes later, when I was out in the hall listening to Mooney run down the routine facts for Lieutenant Matthews, that something was still with me, bothering me, the way a, a half-remembered dream does when you're shaving the next morning. Lived here five years now. Came from the east, and according to the landlord, has no close friends or relatives in the city. Also, the bullet was fired at point-blank range. Uh-huh. Anything on the gun that was next to her? Uh, not yet, Lieutenant. It was her fingerprints only. Looks like it's strictly pawn shop stuff. Serial numbers filed off, cheap make, etc. Yeah, yeah. Deputy coroner says she died about 10 or 10.30 this morning. Yeah. Long about that same time, the landlord says he saw a flashy black car parked in the alley outside where people never park. Spiffy mm. convertible. Was gone after he heard the shot, he thinks. Did you get the license number, Mooney? I uh, know, Mr. Marlowe. You got nothing. Oh. All we have on it so far is a fresh tire tread in the mud. It's a 750-15. Pretty good shape. Uh-huh. And that is it, huh? Just about. The landlord thinks that the deceased was an actress way back from little remarks she made. That's mm. about all. I still got one neighbor to check, though. Okay, Mooney. Let me know. Right, Lieutenant. Now, Marlowe looks like I have to stand you up on that lunch date. Sorry. I, uh, I'm not so hungry anymore. I'll see you around, Matthews. On the way out, I told myself three things. 
One aside from the fact that we belong to the same fraternity laughingly called mankind, Jane Temple was nothing to me. Two, a lot of beautiful girls turn out to be beautiful women, and three, if the black convertible meant anything at all, the police would figure it out by themselves. They came well equipped for the job. Well, by the time I was out on the street in the sharp autumn air, it chopped away the stale smells of the dead woman's apartment. I was beginning to forget the name Jane Temple entirely. I might have kept going that way if he hadn't appeared just then. Hey, hey, huh? mister, mister, over here, quick. Mister, you, you're not a policeman. You, you're a reporter for the newspaper, no? What makes you say that? Well, I see you go in there with the police, the plainclothes detective man. Nobody salute to you. The ones in uniform, I mean. So maybe you report, huh? Maybe why? Well, I can tell you here. Come to my shop in 15 minutes. I don't want people to see us together now. Come to the shoemaker place across the street and down to the stairs. Andrew Nodell. Yeah, but why, Mr. Nodella? What do you want a reporter for? What's it about? Uh... The fine, fine lady who just died, Miss Jane Temple. Goodbye, mister. Look, my friend, it cost me one buck of fifty for the letter alone. How can I give it to you for now? Look, you have Okay, so okay, okay. Andrew Nodell changes his mind. He won't argue for, for with a customer. Here, $1.25, just like you want him a cash. Yeah, it's more like it. I wasn't born just the other day. I can tell value. Sure, sure, sure. My mistake, Commissioner. Now, excuse me, please. Okay. Uh, Kill a drone, the chisel. Yeah. I only gave in to get rid of him, you see. Now, I'll put the out to launch a sign on and lock up the door so we won't be disturbed. The police are nobody. Okay. Now, uh, Mr... Marlowe. Uh, Mr. Marlowe, we go in the back room. This way, please. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, Before we go any place, Nodella, one question. Why are you so worried about the police? Well, because down in this neighborhood, Mr. Marlowe, every time I do a good thing and I call the police when it's right, I get in some kind of trouble. These people, my customers, they don't, they don't like uh, you should be a... Uh, stool pigeon? Ah, a stool pigeon. Mm-hmm. All right, Mr. Nodella. Now about Jane Temple. Uh, uh, wonderful woman, Mr. Marlowe. Uh, come in the back room, eh? All right. Ah, uh, Mr. Marlowe, fine. A call to the lady. I know. I was, uh, I was not always a shoemaker. You know, in the old country, I was a student. And before that, uh, I was an artist. And I wouldn't doubt it. You and Jane Temple were really good friends, is that it? Ah, see, see, good friends. That's why I'm in a position to say I don't think she killed herself. She was not the kind of a lady, Mr. Marlowe. She was not moody. Or she liked to be alone with her memories, but that's all. Look, come here at the table, Mr. Marlowe. Look at this. That was hers. Scrapbook, huh? Yeah. She left it with me. The letter on the front was worn. I was repairing it for her. <laughs> she trusted only me with it. But open it up, Mr. Marlowe. I say no more. You just look for yourself. It was a usual setup. Between the big covers of a big book, a little life story in tattered yellow clippings and faded photographs. Twenty-five years ago, Jane Temple had been exquisite. A fragile, haunting kind of beauty that never goes out of style. A kind of... of universal beauty that makes style. The book itself came in two parts. The first told in rave reviews and letters from select admirers was the rocket-fast rise of Jane Temple, who, as one critic put it, was inspirational beauty and the inspired actress. Both. Yet on that level, the first part ended abruptly in 1928, with no explanation. The second part was another success story, but it ran right up to the present. The career of one Jerome Lockie, from obscure London stagehand to top Hollywood theatrical agent. <laughs> A healthy, giant step. No place did I see anything to connect the two. Odella must have read my mind. <laughs> you wonder, eh, Mr. Marlowe, what one got to do with the other, huh? Yeah. Do you know? No. But maybe this can help you find out. 
it's it's another clipping that was not pasted in the book. Where did it come from? Inside the back cover. I was only to repair the front, Mr. Marlowe. But as a surprise for Miss Temple, I, I went ahead to do it all, see. I found this clipping hidden in the lining of the back cover. It tells of a man named John Gordon being sent to jail in London, England, in 1928 for embezzlement of a theater's money. There's a picture of him, Mr. Marlowe. Yeah, so I... Hey, this John Gordon Jerome is... Malarkey, see? Yeah. The big agent man, Mr. Marlowe. But there's still one more thing. Last night, I surprised somebody, a thief, in this shop. And when I scared him away, he was looking at this book, but nothing else was touched. You didn't tell anybody about it? No, 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 no. I was going to tell Mr. Temple, but... Well, Mr. Marlowe, everything I say to you, everything I show you here... Am I crazy or does it mean only one thing? Jerome Lackey killed the wonderful Miss Temple to keep a secret. Well, it's possible. But also, Nadella Miss Temple may not be so wonderful at that. You know, people don't kill to keep secrets. They kill to keep secrets from getting out. That's called blackmail. No, Mr. Marlowe, not to Miss Temple. I don't believe that. And I don't believe that you do either. I don't want to. Well, I'll see what I can find out. Uh, Mr. Marlowe, you, you tell me before you tell your paper. Huh? <laughs> Mr. Nodella, I don't have a paper. Just curiosity. I'm a private detective, not a reporter. And uh, the initial mistake was yours, not mine. So don't get mad about it. What? A private detective? Mr. Marlowe, who are you working for? Right now, Mr. Nodella? I'd say the late Jane Temple. Goodbye. The Jerome Lockie agency on the Sunset Strip was big, brassy, and busy and sported a blonde receptionist to match. After I gave her my card and we exchanged frosty smiles, she waved me into a seat. I tried it for 15 minutes and then I began to get itchy. But compared to the dapper gray of the temple's gentleman sitting next to me, that was a mild reaction. He was one of those heavy-handed character actors you remember by face, never by name. Jerome Lockie's office? No, he's not in there. Yeah. Mr. Jerome Larkey certainly has an exaggerated impression of his own importance. Been here a while, huh? Hmm? Quite a while, sir. Much too long a while. Young lady, please tell Mr. Larkey that Elliot Monroe could wait no longer. I'll see him at his home this evening. I have several studio calls to make this afternoon. Good day. Good day, Mr. Monroe. Ah, studio calls. Yes? Mr. Monroe couldn't wait, Mr. Larkey. He said he'd see you at your home tonight, sir. My tough luck. Anyone else, match? Only that New York call, sir. I'm still trying to get it. I'll put it right through the moment it comes in. Uh, <coughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, Mr. Philip Marlowe, a private investigator. A private investigator? Uh, is it important? I think so, Mr. Larkey. It's as important as Jane Temple. Uh, Jane? What about Jane Temple? She's dead, Mr. Larkey. <laughs> A bullet through her heart. No. Uh, Madge. Yes, sir. Uh, bring Mr. Marlowe right in. Yes, sir. Right this way, Mr. Marlowe. Thank you. Well, Marlowe, why are you here? I mean, uh, how did you know I had anything to do with Jane Temple? I didn't. But since she was an actress once and you're about the biggest agent in Hollywood, I thought I'd start with you. Start what, Mr. Marlowe? Start finding out why she committed suicide, Mr. Lockie. Tell me, do you own a black convertible? Yes, uh, one of those step-down Hudsons. Tire size, do you happen to know it? Yes, yes, uh, 75015. Why? What's all that got to do with Jane Temple's suicide? Quite a bit. Might even change it to murder. Jane Temple murdered? By whom? Someone who'd profit, Mr. Larkey. Any idea who that could be? Not the slightest. Okay, thanks for your trouble. And uh, good afternoon. Uh, wait. Uh, hold it, Mr. Marlowe. Huh? I, uh, I'd like to talk with you some more. But not here. You name the spot, Mr. Larkey. All right. My house tonight, 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock. I'll be there. In just a moment, the second act of Philip Marlowe. But first, our armed forces are mighty busy these days. They're conducting the United Nations police action in Korea. They're patrolling the occupied countries. They're standing ready for national defense. 
and at the same time they're doing important scientific research. With so many varied duties, the armed forces need more men. Men with brains and ability who can be trained as highly efficient specialists. Men who want to be the leaders of tomorrow. Inquire at your nearest recruiting office about the opportunities open to you in America's armed forces, the world's greatest power for peace. Now with our star, Gerald Moore, the second act of Philip Marlowe, and tonight's story, The Big Book. walked out of Jerome Lockie's sleek private office. I was satisfied that in spite of the efficient air condition of the atmosphere in there would stay charged, with enough high voltage implications so that sooner or later he'd have to make another move. Outside it was dark. I drove back downtown and finally located Lieutenant Matthews at a lunch counter, wrapping up the short end of a quick blue plate special. My story didn't affect his appetite a bit. Have a piece of pie, Marlowe. The cherry is great. Matthews, I've been trying to tell you that I... And I've been listening, I... Phil, to all of it. All of it, from that crackpot shoemaker to a leather-bound scrapbook, right on up to a weird-looking Jerome Lockie's kiss. And now what do you want me to do, get an ulcer? Matthews, maybe Jane Temple didn't kill herself. Maybe she was murdered. Go on. Now look, there was an old clipping and some pictures in that scrapbook that identified our Jerome Lockie as one John Gordon, who did time a few years ago for embezzlement, hmm. which, if revealed, would ruin the great Jerome Lockie. If today, now look, it looks like... Oh, that's... What's the matter? What's the matter? Look, Marlowe, I haven't been to bed for 24 hours. I'm dog-tired. <laughs> I thought I finally got a break. A clean-cut case of obvious suicide. A nice old doll, disillusioned, broke, did herself in. Too bad, yeah, but just that simple. So what happens? You run into some jerk of a shoemaker with an imagination, and now it's all mixed up with ex-cons, blackmails, and murder. It's not my fault. I didn't do it, you know. I'm sorry, Phil. All right. A little fed up, I guess. Oh, nothing that a week or so of hearing wind in pine trees wouldn't cure, so you went out to see Lockie, huh? Uh-huh. Where'd you leave it? Hanging in midair. Uh, Made a date with him for later tonight at his house. You think you did it? Who knows? I saved my Sunday punch, his real name being Gordon, that is. Maybe when I spring that, it'll jar something loose, huh? Uh, maybe. Oh, by the way, did you meet Mrs. Lockie? Not yet. Why? Nothing in particular. Good-looking blonde I saw once in the Beverly Hills station. Some beef about a collision. She impressed me as being a pretty tough fighter in the clinches, that's all. Just a thought. Yeah, finish your pie, Matthews. Yeah. You want to follow this through on your own, Phil? Yeah, if you don't mind. You see, I've gone this far, and, well, there was something about Jane Temple that, I don't know, it showed, even down there in that dump. Yeah. That's what I mean, Phil. I got to get out under the pine trees for a spell, so... Keep me posted, huh? I drove out to Beverly Hills again and found the Jerome Lockie place. It was a close-to-the-ground model that at first glance looked like a cozy little cottage. Second glance, however, showed the other two wings, 15 or 20 ultra-modern rooms that rambled over two acres of gently rolling real estate. The door was answered by a close-cropped blonde and tailored black already today had the tapered, taut look of tomorrow. Yes? I'm Philip Marlowe. Is Mr. Lockie here? Oh. Oh, yes. Come in, Mr. Marlowe. I'm Vivian, Jerry's wife. Oh? Jerry's expecting you. He'll be right out. He asked me to look after you for a few minutes. Do you mind? On the contrary. <laughs> I was in the middle of a whiskey and water. Johnny Walker. Like one? Thanks. Too bad about Jerry's old friend, Jane Temple, huh? Yes, Yes, it was a perfectly horrible thing. Jerry's very upset about it, you know. It uh, must be awful to fall so far. Yeah, the top is awful high. Did you know her? Yeah. Only by reputation. What do you suppose happens to a person like that? I mean, you'd, you'd think they'd try to climb back out of the squalor. Yeah, you'd think so. Like, uh... Jerry did. That's right. He deserves a lot of credit. Things must have been tough after he got out. Yes. Yes. Yes, they were. Why, when he got out of, of the production end of show business, he was flat broke. He lost a fortune that way. He's told me about it. How he had to start all over again from the bottom. So I understand. Uh, here's your drink, Mr. Marlowe. Oh, thanks, Vivian. Thanks a lot. 
You know, Mr. Marlowe, it really is a long, hard struggle to make it up from the bottom, especially a second time. The third time, it... it might be impossible. Don't you think? Yeah. And when you're up there, the fight's even rougher, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it is. Sometimes a person would... Oh, it looks like you have another visitor. What? Coming up the walk outside. Oh. Oh, that's Elliot Monroe. He's always popping in here at odd times, usually, to borrow something. <laughs> he may want anything from a clean shirt to a cup of vinegar. We never know. Well, this time he wants to see your husband. I ran into him at the office this afternoon and heard him say so. Oh, really? Yeah, so I'll make my business with Jerry as short and as to the point as possible. Well, that's... that's very considerate of you, Mr. Milo. Excuse me. <laughs> I heard Mrs. Vivian Lockie receive the load of ham at the front door, and second later, I heard my name called from the hall behind me. It was Jerome All Smiles, doing his suave and determined best to bury the end of the world look he'd acquired in his office. But it peeked out around his eyes and at the twitching corner of his mouth. As he led me into the library and pointed me into a deep leather chair, I decided to let him lead off. I also decided to bait a trap and set it out. Now... How about a drink, Marlowe? I have one, thanks. Mrs. Lockie anticipated you. Anticipated? Oh, yes, of course. Well, let's see. Where did we leave off this afternoon? Oh, we talked about a lot of things, like tire sizes, suicides. Mm, oh, yes, yes. Now let me get something straight, Mr. Marlowe. You seem to believe that there's a little more to poor Jane Temple's death than a simple suicide. Considerably more, Mr. Lockie. Yes. And you've come to me with this problem. Why? Because you may be able to fill in some blanks. Hmm? How? It's up to you. Let's say first that I think a prominent and wealthy man is connected, a man who's saddled with a messy past that he can't afford either to keep secret or have revealed. Now, just a minute, Marlowe. I don't know what you're driving at with this double talk, but it sounds to me as if you're accusing Jane Temple of blackmail, and I don't believe it. She'd have starved to death first. I'd like to agree, believe me. But unfortunately, I can still add. What do you mean? For instance, to what I said before, I had the name John Gordon. Go uh, <clears throat> who uh, is John Gordon? I'm not quite sure. But I do know this. Somehow the key to who he is ties into a basement shoe shop in the 100 block on West Main Street. Does that mean anything to you? No. Why should it? Marlowe, why exactly did you come here? Please tell me. I just did. Well, that's that. Chances are I'll see you again sometime. Good night, Mr. Lockyer. Now, Marlowe, wait. Mm -hmm. Now, listen. In my business, bad publicity counts. And I've worked awfully hard to I know. It. I went all through that with Mrs. Lockie. Don't worry about me. This time, I'm more than willing to let somebody else do the talking. When I walked out on Lockie for the second time, things still didn't add up right. Something was missing. In the hall, I passed Elliot Monroe, hanging onto a glass of scotch like it was a streetcar strap. And at the door, Mrs. Lockie ushered me out with a frigid, unsmiling nod. I drove slowly all the way to Main Street, and when I was parked and walking toward Nadella's shoe shop, I began to doubt that the trap I'd set was going to catch anything. Until a long black convertible turned the corner behind me. I ducked into a doorway and waited. It was Jerome Lockie's car, all right. He almost stopped in front of the shoe shop, but suddenly lurched ahead and disappeared around the corner, away from what turned out to be a cop pounding the beat. I was convinced he'd be back, so when the cop passed me, I ran around to the rear of the shoe shop and down the stairs to a window where I could keep out of sight and still see anything that went on inside. I just settled down for a wait when it came. Stand still, my fine fellow. Don't move or I'll kill you. Mr. Elliot Monroe. Huh. What do you know about that? Looks like the wrong sucker rose to the bait. Or is this just coincidence? Uh, it's no coincidence, my friend, believe me. While you were in talking to dear Jerry tonight, Vivian was called to the phone. That gave me a chance to listen outside the library door and overhear everything you said. That's why I am here. To protect my interests. No wonder things didn't add. You're the missing link, typecast at that. Keep those right? hands up. Sure. 
Sure, I couldn't see Jane Temple as a blackmailer. Now Jerome Larkey is a killer, but you're playing both parts. For you, that's a cinch. But our detective is clever now, isn't he? But just a little late, wouldn't you say? Yeah. No switches in a one-track mind. Yeah, it's my own fault. Have your fun, Monroe. But tell me one thing. How'd you worm your way into this setup? That was a well-kept secret. (laughs) Not to a man with an experienced eye for drama, my good fellow. It started very simply when I recognized Jane Temple on the street one afternoon and befriended her. Befriended her? Yes. We reminisced about the good old days in the theater and finally went through her scrapbook together. But there was one clipping that she tried desperately to hide in the binding. Oh, you clumsy old fool. So when she sent the book here to be repaired, it was you who broke in and found that clipping, huh? Yes, yes, and read it and put it back before the stupid cobbler discovered me. But I had found the skeleton in the closet... And knew that I could make it rattle long, loud, and lucratively. Sure. Jane Temple would do the dirty work, put the bite on Lockie. It would have been perfect, an ideal escape for both of us from the constant humiliation of poverty. There was nothing of woman left in her. All that remained of the great Jane Temple was dusty yesterday in a book bound in leather. Mr. Marlowe, are you afraid to die? No more than most people. Oh, well, I'm glad you said that. I had to kill you anyway, but at least you understand. Um, uh, he who kills cuts off so many days of fearing death. Then is death. A benefit. It's the last benefit you'll ever play. (laughs) Poor crazy clown. You know all the answers now, don't you, Marlowe? The whole story. Yes, Vivian. All except how you showed up here when you did. I had to. You you see, I've always known about Jerry's past. He told me about it before we were married. I I knew that was why you came to see him tonight, and when I saw Elliot there listening at the library door, I I realized that he must have known, too. When he left the house, I followed him. Got here in time to save my life. To be honest, Marlo, that was incidental. I, I got here in time to save my life. I hope... Well, just the same. I'm going to return the favor when the police get here. You, you, you mean you... I mean there are a lot of things that belong in a dead woman's leather-bound book of memories. No place else. I'm going to do my best to help you and Jerry keep them there. Oh. Thanks, mister. That's the way it worked out. One policeman named Matthews got the whole story, but only half of what he found out was headed in the police records. And only as much of that as was necessary ever got into the papers. Two days later, when Jane Temple's funeral was held, it didn't even make the back page. (laughs) After all, what's news about one Italian cobbler, one private detective... One hard-boiled agent standing bareheaded before a fresh grave. Even though the cobbler had worked all night, binding a big book in the finest of Morocco leather. Even though the agent with blinking moist eyes closed that book for the last time. And the private detective laid it in the coffin to be buried with her. Yeah. What's news about that? The 
Adventures of Philip Marlowe, bringing you Raymond Chandler's most famous character, star Gerald Moore, are produced and directed by Norman MacDonald and written for radio by Robert Mitchell and Gene Levitt. Featured in the cast were Jack Crucian, Bud Whittem, Jay Novello, Lynn Allen, John Daner, and Ted Von Elts. Detective Lieutenant Matthews is played by Larry Dobkin. The special music is composed and conducted by Richard Arant. This is Roy Rowan speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Archie Andrews next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for the adventures of Archie Andrews. Tonight's episode is entitled Plumbing Woes. Hello. Hello, Jughead. This is Archie. Come over right away. It's a matter of life or death. Oh, relax, Archie. Relax. <laughs> Yes, and you relax too, folks, if you can, because here he is again, right out of the pages of Archie Comics magazine, with all his gang, Archie Andrews. Well, tonight is Saturday night as we look in on the Andrews home in Riverdale. We find Mrs. Andrews in the living room sewing as Archie enters. I'll be down to get you in a taxi, honey. Da -da 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 -da. Oh, hi, Mom. Well, Archie, what's all the rush? Big date, Mom. Excuse me, I gotta call Jughead. Well, don't let me keep you. <laughs> Operator, get me Riverdale 247, please. Better be ready about half past eight. Da 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 dee dee dee. Uh, da -da -dee -da -da. Uh, Jughead? This isn't Gregory Pat. <laughs> Jughead, what kind of an answer is that? I heard that on a radio program. Ah. <laughs> Very funny. But listen, Jug, what time are you coming over here? As soon as I finish dressing. I want to get to the dance early. Why? Because the only time I can dance without bumping into everyone is when no one else is on the dance floor. Well, all right, Jug. We'll try to get there early so you can dance. You come over here as soon as you can, and then we'll call for Betty and Veronica. Okay. Are you dressed yet? No, but I'm going to get dressed right now. Okay, see you later. Yeah, bye, Jug. Huh? Bye. Oh, bye. Who are you taking to the dance, dear? Well, it's a long story, Mom. I wanted to take Veronica, but Betty wanted to go with me, too. And Jughead had no one to take, so we made it a double date and we're all going together. Oh, I see. Well, I better start dressing or I'll be late. Oh, I'll be down the desk. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that boy, he's exactly like oh, his father. Oh, hello, dear. Newspaper down here? Yes, dear, right there. Fred, why are you wearing your bathrobe and slippers? Oh, yes, yes. Mm. Fred, I asked you a question. Yes, dear, yes, yes. Well. Fred Andrews, just what is so interesting in that paper? Mm -hmm. Oh, nothing, dear, nothing. Just, just glancing through it. Yeah, it says here, United Nations Week starts tomorrow. Yes, I know, but... General it... Assembly opens October 23rd. Yes, dear, that's fine, but I still want an answer to my question. Question? Question? question. What question? Well, I asked you why you're wearing your bathrobe and slippers. Hmm? Oh! <laughs> well, now, Mary, what do you want me to wear? A negligee and galoshes? <laughs> Fred, don't be funny, and tell me why you're wearing your bathrobe at 7.30. <laughs> well, Mary... If you have no violent objections, I am going to take a bath. A bath? Oh, but Fred, I thought we might go to a movie tonight. Oh, not tonight, dear, not tonight. No, sir, I'm, I'm just in the mood for a nice hot bath. Oh, yes, sir, I'd like nothing better than to relax for about half an hour and just soap and soak. Yes, sir. That's my motto tonight, soap and soak. Or, uh, if you prefer, soak and soak. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you can say that three times fast. <laughs> no, dear, I probably can't. No, no, just try it, Mary. Soap and soap, soap and soap, soap and soap and soap. <laughs> you see, it can't be done. Oh, honestly, Fred, <laughs> won't you ever grow up? Now go on, take your bath. All right, Mary. That's exactly what I intend to do right this minute. Oh, I'm forever blowing bubbles, for the bubbles in the air. Fortune's only bubbles, 
if that's going to be hot enough, I... Ooh! Ooh! Hot as blue blazes. Now, a little cold water will fix that. They fly so high. Nearly Let's see now. That should be just about... Freezing, freezing. Oh, just a minute ago it was red hot, and now it's... it's well, a little more hot will do. There we are. Soap and soak, soap and soak, soak and soap and... No, 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 it can't be said. can't be said. Well, let's see now. The water should be just about... Uh... Ah, there we are. Just right. Yes, sir. Just exactly right. Now, I'll just... Uh... Huh? Hmm? What do you want, Mary? Tell it. No, no. Oh, for gosh sakes, who is it? Tom Henderson. So what does he want? He wants to talk to you. Oh, for... All right, I'll be right there. At least he called before I got in the tub. He's been calling you all the time. Were you in the tub, Chris? Honest, but not quite. Now, I wonder what the dickens that old windbag wants. Here you are. Huh? Oh, thanks. Hello? Oh, <laughs> yes, fine. Fine, Tom. How's yourself? <laughs> Good. I'm glad to hear it. I... Yes. Well, I was... Well, yes. All right. Yes, let's do that. Yes. Well, glad you called, Tom. Bye. What do you want, dear? What did he want? He just wanted to say Hello. Well, I guess he did. He did. I don't know why that old windbag calls me up all the time. He never has a thing to say. Not a blessed thing. Well, up to the bath. I'm forever blowing. Now, who locked this confounded door? Archie. Archie, are you in there? Yes, Dad. I'm taking a bath. Oh, I'm taking a bath. Well, that's all. Taking a bath? In my tub, Archie, for God's sake, I was going to take a bath. But she whiz, Dan. I'm going out and i got to take a bath before I get dressed. Oh, sure. So you just jump right into my nice tub of hot water. Do you think that water grew there? Oh, gosh, no. I thought Mom got it ready for me. Oh, fine. I'd... Well, I suppose now that you're in the tub, you're in the tub. I sure am, Dad. But don't be all night about it, you hear? Be out in two minutes, Dad. All right, see that you are. Back in a moment. Mary? Yes, dear? Mary, do you know what happened? What? Well, while I was down here listening to Tom Henderson say hello, your son got into the bathtub. Oh, for pity's sake. I don't know why. The moment I turn my back, somebody's oh, Fred, always... Oh, you answer that, dear? Oh, all right, I'll answer it. But if that's Tom Henderson, I'll have something... Hello? Uh, Mr. Andrews. Oh, oh, Veronica, yes. This is Mr. Andrews. Is Archie there? Oh, no, he's upstairs in the... Uh, he's upstairs, Veronica. Oh, well, would you mind calling him to the phone? Calling him to the... Why, Veronica, that would be a pleasure. <laughs> Archie! Oh, Archie! Calling me, Dad? Yes, telephone. He was... Who is it? Veronica! She was... I'll be right there. All right, Veronica, he'll be right here. Well, Mary, I guess that'll teach the boy to go around bathing behind people's backs. <laughs> Fred, you're just cutting off your nose to spike the face. Now you'll only have to wait that much longer to take your bath. Mary, I don't care if I have to... Uh, oh, I never thought of that. But... Archie, thanks, Dad. Archie, you catch your desert cold running around in that towel. Oh, I'll only be a minute, Mom. Well, I see that you're no longer... Hello? Hello, Archie. <laughs> Archie, for goodness sake, just what is tickling you? <laughs> Gee whiz, Dad, this is important. Well, important or not, either say something or get back upstairs and finish that bath. Okay, Dad, okay. Hello, Veronica. Yes? I've got to rush now. Did you want to speak to me about anything special? Well, yes. What time are we going to the dance? Well, I don't know. About 8.30, I guess. Well, could we make it a little later? 
later. Uh-huh. I hate to be the first one there, don't you? I'd much rather make an entrance. Oh, well, sure, if you want, Veronica. Is that all? Uh-huh. I'll see you later, Archie. Bye. Bye, Veronica. Well, what was so important? Well, you see, Veronica wanted Never mind, to... never mind. Just get upstairs and finish that bath. Please. Dad, I'll be finished before you can say Jack Robinson. Archie, I do not want to say Jack Robinson. I want to take a bath. Fred, really, I think you're making too much fuss about this whole thing. You can take a bath five minutes from now. Now, Mary, that is not the point. I like to take a bath when I'm in the mood for taking a bath, not just any time. Oh, you have to be inspired. No, Mary, I don't. The point is that the boy had no right to go in that tub when I was all ready to use it. Fred, he didn't know. He knew I was waiting when he was on the phone, didn't he? Well, yes. And did you hear him? (laughs) (laughs) Does he care that I'm waiting to take a bath? No, he sits there giggling. Mary, it's time that boy learned to think of other people. Fred, you're making a big fuss over nothing. He's probably through by now. Mary, I am not making any fuss over... Through? Do you think he is? Archie! Archie! Yes, Dad? Archie, are you out of the bathtub yet? Well, no, Dad. I'm waiting for it to fill up. Oh, fill up? Yeah. It was ice cold when I got back here, and I had to fill it up all over again. (laughs) Mary... You see... Now, Fred, remember your blood pressure. Blood pressure? Mary, in a minute, I won't need a hot bath. I'm boiling right now. up and down. Mary, is that boy going to stay in that bathtub all night? I'm sure I don't know. He has to. Down all through with the tub. When I was a boy, we took him through. Archie, did you say you were through? Yes, Dad. Well, it's about time. There, you see? Uh, See what? Oh, never mind you. Just go up and take your bath. Oh. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you, madame. I'm certainly glad I have your permission. (laughs) People out of the bathtub all night. Oh, I'm forever blowing bubbles. Let's see now. I don't want to get it too hot again. I. Oh, for gosh sakes. Mary! Yes? This water is ice cold. It is? Well, Archie must have used all the hot water. Oh, fine. Well, what do I do now? Just let it run. Just what? Just let the water run. There'll be more hot water in a minute. All right. Let it run. I don't know why we can't have enough hot water around here. I like to... Oh, 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 for God's sake. Gee, where's that? What was all the noise? Just the water pipe. It was knocking. Oh, gosh, I thought the house was falling in. Archie, the house was not falling in. The water... What was that noise? Mary, I was running the hot water faucet and the pipe started to clatter. But it never happened before. I know it, Mary, but it was just an ordinary pipe rattle. Evidently, the washer is gone. Washer? Yes, the washer. The rubber washer that keeps the faucet from leaking. It must be worn out and the air is getting in there and making the pipe knock. It's just as simple as that. Oh, I see. Well, you better forget about your bath and I'll call the plumber first thing in the morning. Mary, tomorrow is Sunday and you cannot get a plumber on Sunday and I can fix a thing myself in half a minute. Mary, it's perfectly simple. All I have to do is go down to the basement and shut off the hot water, then open this faucet up and put in a new washer. Well, I still think a plumber should do it. Me too, Dan. Oh, listen. I am not paying any plumbers to do this job. I can do it myself. I want a bath. And by gosh, I'm going to get one if I have to rebuild the house to do it. Try the hot water and see if it's off. But, Fred, won't those pipes start 
Well, yes, dear, but he can't come to the phone right now. He's up in the... Uh, he's very busy. Oh, gosh. I wanted to ask him something very important. Mary? Well, maybe I can ask him for you, Betty. Well, all right. Ask him what time he plans on getting to the dance. All right, dear. Hold on. Mary! Archie! Yes, Mom? Betty's on the phone. Betty? She was she want. She wants to know what time you're going to the dance, dear. 8.35. All right, I'll tell her. Hello, Betty. Mary! Yes, Mrs. Andrews? Archie says 8.35, dear. Oh, so late. Oh, gosh. Ask him if he couldn't make it a little earlier. We always get to dances late and miss half of it. I'd like to get there right on time this once. Well... Mary! All right, Betty, I'll ask him. Hold on. All right, dear. Okay, swell, Mrs. Andrews. Thanks a lot. Bye. Goodbye, dear. It doesn't matter now. No, I suppose, suppose it doesn't. But I still think you ought to let a plumber do the job. Mary, may I remind you that I intend to take a bath tonight. All right, dear, but don't say I didn't warn you. I won't. Oh. Oh. You told me. Everybody tells me. Does anybody ever ask me what I want to say about the whole thing? Uh, Oh, now what? Archie, are you in there? Oh, sure, Dad. Don't you want me in here? No, I don't want you in there. I'd open the door and let me get at that bathtub, will you? Open it? I never locked it. Archie, you must have. This door is locked. See? Gee whiz, I don't know how it could have happened. Archie, I am not interested in how it happened. Just unlock it. But, Dad, the lock part isn't turned. The doorknob must be broken. Archie, I can... Uh... Oh, broken? Oh, they couldn't be broken. I mean, I mean, I never heard of a lock just breaking. I, oh, well, how am I going to get in to take my... Archie, are you sure? Positive. No. Oh, fine. Fine. What are you shouting about? Haven't you started your bath yet? No, Mary. Not yet. There's just a little something else I have to attend to first. <laughs> what, oh, nothing important. I just have to saw this bathroom door open, that's all. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost finished, all right. Well, hurry up or I'll be late. Archie, I want to get in there just as much as you want to get out. Archie, just be quiet. Oh, there. There, it's finished. Dad, I think it's finished. Uh, yes, Archie, I know. Now, just see if you can knock that piece out, will you? What piece? The piece of wood around the doorknob that I just sawed. Oh, okay. Look out. 
And that did it. It fell out. <laughs> yes, sir, there we are. At last. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Archie, get your head out of that hole and open the door. Boy, I bet not many houses have a hole in the bathroom door. Archie, I said to take your head out of that hole. Okay, I would... <clears throat> That's funny. Come on, hurry up, Archie, hurry up. Gee whiz, Dad, don't you think I would if I could? I want to take a... What do you mean, if you could? Archie, what do you mean? Oh, for pity's sake, his head is stuck in there. Oh, boy, I'm sure stuck. Oh, now, how can his head be stuck? He got it in, didn't he? Yeah, but it, it sure won't come out. Listen, if it went in, it's got to come out. Whatever... Go- Look, I'll see the... Out! Fred, don't push the boy's head that way. Well, it's the only way to get him out. Oh, hey, quit it, Dad, don't. Oh, hey. All right. Guess that won't work. Well, now, let me see that. There must be some way to do this. Well, um, uh, maybe you should take the hinges off, The hinges? Oh, no, I can't. They're on the inside. Archie, can't you open that door? How? It opens out and my shoulders are jammed against the wall. Jammed against... Oh, yes, that's right. Well... She was... I uh, sure look silly wearing a bathroom door around my neck the rest of my life. Fred, do something. Well, uh, uh, do you have any ideas? What'll people think when they see me wearing a door? Especially a bathroom door. Archie, people won't think anything. They Fred, I think the boy's turning blue. Blue? Now, Mary, don't get hysterical. He's not turning blue. Just a little green. Uh, Archie, be quiet. Wait a minute. I know. I know. Archie, you must have put your head in sideways. The hole is wider that way. Oh, Gee, maybe I did. Yeah, so just try to take it out that way. Go on, just turn your head sideways. That's it, that's it. Then I just, just, just a little more. If I turn it anymore, I won't know if I'm coming or going. <laughs> oh, Archie. Archie, come on now. Just turn your head a little bit more. Here, I'll help. Oh, hey, Fred, you're wringing his neck. <laughs> that's the best thought of the evening. No. Come on, Archie. Oh. Turn. Ouch. Oh, I, uh, oh, I, this, I. Ah. I'm out. Say, that did it. Now, Archie, open that door and come out here. (sighs) Thank goodness. Wow. Am I still in one piece? Of course you're still in one piece. Thank goodness that's over. Yes. Now, if you'll just let me get to that faucet, I'll put in a new washer and everything. Fred, why don't you give up the idea? Mary, I am not quitting now. But, Dad, why don't you call a poop? I'll just open this faucet, and... Uh, uh, oh, uh, gee. Oh, dear. Oh, Archie, I thought you said the water was turned off. Gee, it, it was off, Dad. Archie, are you sure? Positive. Oh, no, how do these things happen to me? Here I go, traipsing around the basement all evening, and come up here, and Archie's locked in, and he... Sticks his head into the hole, and then I can't get in the hole when I want to. I'm, I mean, the tub when I want to, and now I find the water is still running. But, I... Fred, the pipes didn't knock. Yeah, the pipes didn't knock the least bit that time. Does that have to be explained to me? I, uh, oh, didn't knock. Oh, oh but, but, but if the washer's worn out, they've, uh, well, I, I mean, the last time I tried the pipes, they were, they were, uh, uh <laughs> They didn't knock, did they? No, they didn't. Well, then let's try that faucet again. By gosh, they don't knock. And just feel that water. Piping hot. <laughs> well. Oh, that's swell, Dan. Yes, dear. What did you do to fix it? What did I do to fix it? What did I do? Yeah. Well, you 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 know, Mary, that that's easy. I, I just went down to the basement and I I I uh well, I, I mean, I, 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 well, I simply went under the boiler, and, and while I was, uh, well, it's, it's a highly technical matter, Mary, I don't think, I, oh, isn't that the front door? Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. I bet that's Jughead. Yes, yes, I, I bet it is Jughead. You, you'd better hurry. Yeah, well, see you later, Mom. See you later, Dad. Yeah, yes, uh, see you later, Archie. Hey, Archie! I'm coming, Doug, I'm coming! Well, saved by the bell. Well, dear, I guess I can finally take that bath. Yes, dear, I suppose so. But um, later, I wish you'd explain that highly technical matter of how you fix the water pipe. <laughs> I'll be downstairs if you want me. Yes, all right, dear. Later. I'll, I'll explain it all later. 
Much later. Ah, and quite a night. Quite a night. Ah, that's all water under the bridge. I suppose anything else can happen. Oh, I'm forever blowing a bubble. Well, that should be enough water, I think. Ah, let's see how that is. Ah, just right. Oh, that's fine. Oh, I'm forever blowing bubbles. Oh, oh, that's a little warm. Oh, this is just what the doctor ordered. Just what the doctor ordered. Soap and soak. <laughs> soap and soak, soap and soak, soak and soap and soap and soap. I <laughs> can't say it, can't say it. <laughs> soap. Ah, where is the soap? Oh. Mary! Oh, Mary! Fred, what now? Would you bring me a piece of soap, please? It is a soap tray. No, it isn't. Mary, I say that there isn't a drop of soap in here. Archie must have used the last of it. Oh, dear. That's terrible. Mary, never mind the editorial comments. All I want is another piece of soap. Well, that's just it, dear. There isn't any. I went to six stores today and couldn't get a single cake of soap. Fred, you just have to forget your bath. Forget my... Oh, how do these things happen to me? Yes, when it comes to things being peaceful and quiet around the Andrews home, it's always no soap. You've been listening to another chapter of The Adventures of Archie Andrews, written by Carl Zampel, and based on the copyrighted feature appearing in Archie Comics magazine. Archie is played by Bob Hastings, Jughead by Harlan Stone, Mrs. Andrews by Alice Yorman, Dad by Ian Martin, Veronica and Betty by Gloria Mann and Rosemary Rice. This program is directed by Kenneth McGregor. But now for another glimpse of the Andrews. Later that night, Mom and Dad have just gotten into bed. Well... Oh, good night, dear. Good night. Good night, Fred. But I still say the whole thing was Archie's fault. Oh, Fred, let's forget it. It doesn't really matter. Well, all right. But it does matter. Fred. Good night, dear. Good night. Good night, dear. Oh, Dad. Oh, Archie, for pity's sake. Hey, do make so much noise. Are you home already? Yup, and boy, did I have a swell time. Really? And how Veronica and I won the jitterbug contest. But that dance committee, you'd think they'd spend a little money on prizes. Well, didn't you get any prizes? Oh, yeah, Veronica got a bottle of perfume. Well, that's nice. Oh, sure, but you know what I got stuck with? Oh, what? Bath soap. Plain old bath soap. What? Oh, no! Listen next week for more of the merry adventures of Archie Andrews. This is Bob Sherry wishing you a very pleasant weekend. So long! This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, we wrap up the week with Burns and Allen, followed by Judy Canova. Thanks to Joel Shontwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.